Praise God. Let's pray as we approach the Word today. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we can come together as family, both online through YouTube, Facebook, and then those of us that are physically present here, Lord, that we come together as a family, as a body. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Wow. One race, the human race. (laughs) One blood, the red blood you put in every human, and we're all family, Lord God. But those of us that have accepted Jesus, we are citizens of heaven as we are talking and singing about. Lord, thank you for our citizenship. Thank you, Lord, we get to come together as believers, as the righteous. Thank you, Lord. And now today, open our eyes, Lord. Help us to see things we've not seen before, understand things we've not understood before, go places we haven't gone before in you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We will leave this place better than the way we came. And we thank you for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Uh, Could I get a couple of guys to move this down for me real quick? That'd be awesome if you don't mind. I like to... Stay down here anyway. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to look at a verse that probably many of you have read before, heard, preached before, seen before, maybe even uh, really meditate on it yourself and know this verse. But we're going to look at it in depth and maybe be able to see some things we haven't seen before. Proverbs 18, 21. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I looked up that word power. The Hebrew, I like to study the Hebrew of the Old Testament or the Greek and the New. And I looked up that word power, and the main definition, very interesting, the main definition of the Hebrew word is hand, H-A-N-D, hand. Death and life are in the hand. I don't know about you, but I picture things, so I started picturing my tongue as a hand. (laughs) Death and life are in, so my tongue is going to hand me things in life. Hmm. Let me read a couple other translations real quick. The New Century says, What you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. Those who speak with care. Kind of sounds like you're handing yourself things, huh? Uh, the, new, the Good News Bible says, What you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your words. What you say. Preserve or destroy. So that means you're going to hand yourself something. So, you know, one thing I've found out about people, they're always looking for a handout. Yeah, people are always looking for handouts. Well, your tongue's been giving you handouts for years. You listening? And a lot of people don't like what they're being handed in life, and they don't realize that their tongue is handing it to them. Life or death are in the power of the tongue. So I looked up the word death, and it's an all-inclusive word, uh, which includes really, when you study it out, it includes all the parts of the kingdom of darkness. 
So sickness, disease, poverty, lack, fear, depression, every work of darkness is included in this death, destruction, decay, ruin, everything that leads ultimately to death is what's included in this word death. And then the word life, I looked it up, it means uh, in the Hebrews, things that sustain life, lively, and really, again, when you look at the whole, the, the entirety of it, it's talking about everything from the kingdom of light. Everything from God's kingdom is part of life here. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what I did when I was studying this out, this is how I studied the Word for myself, just to meditate on it, because you have to, you have to meditate on the Word for it to become life to you. You can't just read it or just come to church and hear it once a week and think you're going to live a wonderful life. You're going to have to meditate on the Word. So what I did is, in place of the word death... I took different meanings that were part of death and put in there and then wrote it out. And then I put different meanings of the word life. So here's what I did. I wrote this. Uh, I replaced the words death and life with other words. Here's what I wrote. Sickness and health are in the power of the tongue. Poverty and prosperity are in the power of the tongue. Anxiety and peace are in the power of the tongue. Depression and joy are in the power of the tongue. A good marriage and a bad marriage are in the power of the tongue. Failure and success are in... Are y'all getting this? You could just go on and on and on, take anything from death and life and put in there, and then it starts getting more eye-opening to you to what your tongue is handing you in the different areas of your life. I want you to turn over to 1 Peter because Peter had something to say about this in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. 1 Peter 3.10, it says, He who would love life and see good days, let, his, uh, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue, the hand that's in his mouth. (laughs) Let him refrain his tongue from evil. In other words, quit handing yourself bad things. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let me read some other translations. The Weymouth New Testament says, He who wishes to be well satisfied with life and see happy days... Let him restrain his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful words. The New Living says, For the Scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. The Amplified says, Let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, Keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile, treachery, and deceit. The Message Bible says, whoever wants to embrace life and see the day filled up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Hmm. Nothing evil or hurtful. Kind of sounds like we need to take control of this little member in our mouth. In fact, Peter here was actually quoting the psalmist, uh, In fact, let's turn over to Psalm 34. Look look at Psalm 34 with me real quick. Uh, This is where Peter was quoting from. In fact, i got a purpose to look at this. 
When I came over to Psalm 34 and saw where he quoted from, what I did is I, I, I studied every Greek word that Peter used when it was translated from Greek. Then I studied every Hebrew word that was translated here in, Hebrews, uh, in uh, Psalm 34 in verses 12 and 13. And then I put them together and I kind of came up with my own paraphrase from the Hebrew and from the Greek since they were both talking the same thing here. So... Look at uh, Psalm 34, 12. Who, who is the man who desires life and loves many happy day or many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So when I wrote the paraphrase, here's what the literal paraphrase from the Hebrew and Greek together, from Old and New Testament together, combining the verses. Who among you wants to experience a dynamic and active life, one with longevity and one that continually has good things happening in it, then don't let your tongue speak anything contrary to God's Word and stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself or others. Hmm. That's literally what's being said here. And when I, when I wrote that paraphrase out, I didn't know I was being led by the Spirit of God to do it. But then I realized when I got it done and then the Spirit of God spoke to me, I realized why he had me study it out and write out the paraphrase. Because when I, re- when I read that paraphrase, I'll read it to you again in just a second. When I read that paraphrase, then I heard the word of the Lord come to me and say, now I want you to write the opposite of that paraphrase. It is eye-opening and stepping on your toes, ouch, hallelujah. <laughs> So here we go. I'm going to read the paraphrase, and then I want you to hear the opposite of the paraphrase. Here's the paraphrase. Who among you wants to experience a dynamic and active life, one with longevity, one that continually has good things happening in it? Then don't let your tongue speak anything contrary to God's Word and stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself or others. Here's the opposite. Who among you wants to experience a destructive and depressing life, one that is short-lived and one that continually has bad things happening in it? Then just let your tongue speak everything that comes to your mind. And it's okay to tell little white lies. And for that matter, if you want to say any half-truths or little deceptive things to make yourself look better, feel free to do that as well. Whew. That's a ouch, hallelujah statement. Who among you wants to experience a destructive and depressing life, one that's short-lived, one that continually has bad things? Then just speak your mind. Everything that comes to your mind. Tell little half-truths. Speak little white lies. And if you want to say little deceptive things to make yourself look better, feel free to do that as well. That's releasing death. That's, that's, that's setting your future. In fact, let me show you what David said. It is actually setting your future up before you get there. Turn over to Psalm 45. Wow. Psalm 45, verse number 1. You're going to see that if you don't like the way your life has been in the past or is currently going you can actually set your life up for next week, next month, next year to have a blessed life. 
This is one reason that I walk in such a, I don't know, extraordinary way of living in my life is because I'm always setting it up in advance. I'm always speaking what God says about my life so that next week, next month, next year, when I arrive there, I'm walking in the blessings. Somebody says, oh, Brother Larry, you, you know the kingdom of darkness is here. Yeah, I walk right through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't camp there. I walk right through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't get defeated there. I walk right through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. I mean, when this, this uh, Wuhan virus, pardon me, I have a hard time calling it the whatever COVID is, whatever it is, uh, because China put pressure on the, uh, yeah, the organization that controls, you know, that controls disease control center. Uh, they put pressure on them. I don't know if you knew when this disease came out from China, it was called the China virus. And then China, with all their money, put pressure on the CDC and made them change the name to COVID. So anyway, when this virus came out, everything shut down in March of 20. Uh, I thought when I walked on an airplane, I owned the jet. I mean, literally one, I don't know if those of you that follow me on Facebook, you probably got a laugh out of this one. I walked on one jet, and because I fly all the time, then they, there was nobody on the plane, five people. I was one of five people on a jet that held 220. And so since I fly all the time, they upgraded me to first class. So I'm the only one in first class and four people in coach. And so I'm talking to them, waving to them back there. We're talking. And so I videoed it for Facebook, and we're having a party on the plane. And I've kind of feel like, hey, this is my jet, you know. <laughs> but I kept flying everywhere, and somebody asked me, Brother Larry, aren't you afraid of COVID? I said, afraid of sickness? The first thing I did when this hit in January of last year, by the way, the first thing I went, I went to the Scriptures, I went to Matthew, I went to Mark, I went to Luke, and I went to John, and I looked to where my, my leader is, the perfecter, the author and perfecter of my faith. I went to see what he did when incurable diseases were all around. Did he run? Did he social distance? Did he put things? What did he do? Or did he go and lay hands on people? Oh, touch people that have a, a, a spreadable disease? You better believe that's what I did. I did just like my master Jesus told me to do. Go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So yes, I continued to travel and I, I didn't miss a beat whenever a meeting would cancel because a church wasn't having a meeting. God would have another church call me and say, you don't happen to have this Sunday open, do you? And there I'd go. So I continued to travel, hardly missing any meetings at all. Of course, our television program kept going daily. We do daily TV. But uh, I, I am not afraid of sickness and disease, my friend. And you shouldn't be either. You're a child of the Most High God. You have the greater one living in you. The anointing and glory of God that will heal diseases in you. Amen. Praise God. So anyway... Uh, I, I've just learned for, through the years how to set my next week up, my next month, my next year. I'm setting things up all the time by speaking what the Word says. Look at what David said in Psalm 45, 1. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak 
of the things which I've made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. This is the King James. New King James says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So when I was looking this up, my heart, the King James, my heart is indicting a good matter. Here's what um, the literal uh, Hebrew says. My heart is stirred to speak something good. See, you were created not to speak evil, not to speak doubt, unbelief, fear. You were created to speak good. Your heart, your spirit man, your inner man, you're born of God. You were created to speak life and speak good things. So my heart is indicting a good matter means my heart is stirred to speak something good. And then when it says, I speak of the things which I've made touching the king, that literally means in the Hebrew, my words are made for royalty. My words are made, well, are you part of a royal priesthood? Are you part of God's family? You're part of the highest royal family in eternity, in the universe, and in all the universes. (laughs) Amen. Man, you are made for royalty. So uh, your words are made for royalty. You're supposed to be speaking like a king. And then when it says, uh, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer, this is what the literal Hebrew would say. My tongue, cunningly, like a skillful writer, will choose what is written on the pages of my life. My tongue, cunningly, like a skillful writer, will choose what is written on the pages of my life. So see, your next week and next month and next year, those pages are blank until you start filling them up. But if you fill them up before you get there, with you know, I'll probably be the first one to catch the virus. I'll probably be the first one to get this. Well, you know, my arthritis and my diabetes and my, 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 and it's not even yours because Jesus bore yours, but you keep filling the pages up with what you have, and then what you have is what you have, and you don't experience the blessings of heaven, and you wonder why. Why is every good thing happening to pastor and this pastor and that pastor and Brother Larry and this person? Why is good always happening to them? Because that's all I speak. I'm not bragging on me because I lived for years without doing this. But finally, when I got God's word in me and filled my heart with God's word, that's all I put in there and that's all that comes out. And so it's continually filling the pages of my life. Go over to Romans chapter 8 with me. We're talking life and death can be released through the hand that's in your mouth. Your, your, your tongue is handing you things continually. Look here at... Um, At Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ, aren't you? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I always say the law of sin and death is out of Christ Jesus. The law of spirit of life is in him. The law of sin and death is out of him. But notice the words life here and the words death. And we just saw life and death are in the power of the hand of the tongue. So when I combine these two verses, then we know that the law of the spirit of life 
and the law of sin and death are released by our words. We are handing ourselves either the law of sin and death or we are handing ourselves the law of the spirit of life. So uh, the law of spirit of life is operated by our words. It's what releases healing, prosperity, blessed marriages, stable emotions. You can go on and on with things of life. And the law law of sin and death is also operated by our words. It's what releases sickness, disease, poverty, lack, emotional instability. You name any curse that's in the earth, and that's released by your words. So when we go back to 1 Peter now, I want to go back to 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 10. He said, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Well, I believe all of us want to have a life filled with good things, where good things are always happening, we're always enjoying life, we're always satisfied, fulfilled, always happy. Come on, isn't that the kind of life that everybody wants? Since we all desire that kind of life, then we need to look at this verse a little closer and gain some insight. This verse says if we're going to enjoy that kind of life, we have to refrain our tongue from evil. So my question then is, what are evil words? Someone might say, well, I don't speak any words, uh, evil words anymore. I quit cussing after I got saved. Well, that's commendable when a person does stop using foul language. That's great. But let's see what the Bible defines as evil words. Let's jump over to the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to see what God defines as refraining your tongue from evil. And uh, so that you don't fill up the pages of next week, next month, and next year with a bunch of junk coming your way. Let's fill it up with good. And that way, when junk comes our way, because like Jesus said in John 16, 33, uh, in the world, you're going to have tribulation come at you. But be bold and courageous. I've already overcome it. In other words, walk right through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no evil. Go ahead and sit down at a table he's prepared for you, right in the presence of all that enemies and darkness and stuff. Sit down and have a meal with Jesus and then just keep walking by faith and not by sight. And you'll come right out the other side victorious every time. Hallelujah. So notice uh, Numbers chapter 13. In this chapter, God told Moses to send men uh, into the land of Canaan. You guys remember, and and remember in verse 2, he told them, I give you the land. When he told them to go search the land, which I give. So it was theirs before they went and searched it with the 12 spies. And so Then it tells us they went in, when you go on reading it, they went in and searched the land, they returned, they brought back fruit. Let's let's see what they said. Let's pick it up in verse 27, Numbers 13, 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. You know, those are the giant guys. Verse 29, they continue to report all the people and the inhabitants of the different regions. And while they were speaking, in verse 30, Caleb interrupted them. Look what Caleb said in verse 30. Let's go up at once and take possession. We're well able to overcome it. Well, what Caleb said did not please the others. 
the others that had gone with him immediately spoke up in verse 31 and 30, through 33, verse 31. The men who had gone up said, we are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. And they went on in verse 32, the land through which you've gone uh, as spies, the land through which we've gone as spies, the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw are men of great stature, verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. So I want you to notice what the ten spies reported. They reported how strong the people were. They reported how massive the walls around the cities were. They reported there were giant people in the land. And finally, they reported about their own weaknesses and abilities that were not sufficient to take the land. And they even said, we felt like grasshoppers. So what was it that they were handing themselves? What were they reporting? What were their tongues speaking? They were speaking facts. They were speaking realities. Hmm. You know, when I quoted verse 32, I purposely omitted the first part of the verse as as uh, we were talking about what the ten spies said. But I want you to go back to verse 32 and look at the first part of the verse and see what God said about their words, about their report. And they gave the children of Israel, New King James says a bad report. King James says evil report. Both are correct. They gave the children of Israel a bad report, an evil report. So God called the words that came out of their mouths evil words. Wow. And and what were they speaking? They were speaking the facts. They were speaking reality. To most people, speaking facts and speaking reality is something they regard as truth. And you'll even hear people say it. Well, let me just tell you the truth. And they'll go ahead and give you some facts and give you some realities. And that's what the ten spies did. They spoke out what they saw, how it made them feel. They spoke the reality of the situation. But God called their words evil. Why? Because what they said went against God's word, what had God had said. Wow. Listen, God knew the obstacles that they had to face were real. They were a fact. They were real. They were there. God knew that. He knew the facts. And from a natural, humanly standpoint, God knew the people that were there were uh, dwelling in the land were bigger and stronger than the children of Israel. But God also knew the facts were subject to change. Come on now. God never said, go search the land and then come back and tell me if you think you have the strength and smarts and ability to possess it. He never said that. And listen, anytime God speaks something to us, that's why it's so important to get God's Word in us. Anytime He speaks something to us as His children, when we receive it as truth, it actually enables us to do the supernatural. It enables us to do things that we can't do on our own. That's what God's Word, that's why it's called the Word of Grace. The the mere fact 
that God said he gave them the land meant they were empowered by him and enabled by his grace and ability to go take possession of the land, which is why Caleb and Joshua spoke up. Well, let's go up at once and possess it. They saw the same giants. They saw the same inscalable walls. They knew from a natural standpoint it wasn't possible. But because God said he gave it, Joshua and Caleb said, it's ours. How could we not take it? God doesn't lie. Come on, let's go take it. But when the children of Israel's ten spies spoke the natural facts and realities of the situation, they were speaking contrary to what God had spoken, and God said their words were evil. They brought back an evil report. The giants are huge. They're stronger than we. The cities are wild and unscalable. We look like grasshoppers, and we feel like grasshoppers. And all they were saying is what they saw and what they felt. And God called their words evil. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from. Hmm. So that merely means when the facts and realities of our problems, our situations, our tests, our trials, when they don't line up and agree with what God says about the situation, then they are not truth. See, we have, to, we have to differentiate between fact and truth, reality and truth. Just because something looks a certain way or feels a certain way doesn't make it truth. Remember what Jesus said in John 17, 17, your word is truth. So anytime any situation doesn't line up with what the word says, it may be factual, it may be real, but it just simply means that it's subject to change because truth will never change. It'll never pass away. It is from everlasting to everlasting. So it's forever the same. You can always count on it. But facts, whether it's sickness, disease, poverty, lack, whatever, whatever it is, it's subject to change. So you speak what God's Word says, even though you may not see anything happening. See, because God is in the eternal realm. Just like the real you are. You, the real you is not a body. The body you live in is just your earth suit. You're an eternal being. You were born of God. Remember 1 John 5, 1, whoever believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Remember John 4, 24, uh, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in the spirit. If you're born of God and God's a spirit, then you're a spirit. And rather than use the word spirit, I, use, I like to use eternal being so that people don't get squirrely on you and think of a ghost or something like that. No, you're, you're more real inside that body than that body is. That body's not going to last. When you leave that body, you're still going to be recognizable. You're going to get a glorified body, but you're going to be recognized. You're still going to speak and hear, and you're still going to eat food. In fact, you're going to get to eat as much food as you want and never gain an ounce. Some of y'all ready to go right now, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I looked up here in, in, in numbers here. I looked up bad report, evil report. And it's the, um, it's the Hebrew word dabah. I think I wrote it, yeah, um, D-I-B-B-A-W, dabah. And it means slander. God called their words slander. 
And here all they were doing is speaking the facts, speaking the realities of their test and trial and hardship and situations, and God called it slander. So I looked up the dictionary to look up the word slander. Slander means the action or crime of making a false spoken statement, damaging to a person's reputation. Wow. (laughs) The action or crime of speaking a false spoken statement. So here when people are speaking reality and facts does not mean they're speaking truth. If it doesn't line up with what God said, they're speaking false statements or evil words. And it's going to do just the opposite of what good words, God's words, going to do. Evil words are going to lay out your future, fill your pages with mess after mess, misfortune after misfortune. Wow. So then my question, did it matter to God what the ten spies said. He said they were evil words, but did it really matter? Did it affect anything? Let's go on reading real quick. Just I'll pick out a few verses uh, in the 14th chapter. Uh, Verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept. All the children, in verse 2, murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Keep that in mind. It says they, all the children of Israel, murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said, we wish God would have just let us die in Egypt. Well, that's not going to happen because that's past tense. So at least those words couldn't hurt them. Because <laughs> that's already they're already out of Egypt, so they're, they're not going to die in Egypt. What about what they went on to say? Or we wish God would just let us die in the wilderness. Uh-oh. Let's skip down to verse 26. The Lord spake to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we just read they were murmuring against Aaron and Moses. Yeah, God took it personal when they're speaking contrary to what God says. Notice he said they murmur against me. Uh, Even those men, verse, uh, let's see, murmur against me uh, as truly as I live, verse 28. uh, As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. In other words, I'm going to allow you to have what you say. Verse 36, skip down to verse 36. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him. In other words, the ten spies that brought up a slander upon the land, verse 36 says, look at verse 37, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague in, in, in front of the Lord, right in front of the Lord. We know what God's will was. God already spoke. Go possess the promised land. That was God's will for them. They didn't walk in the will of God. They said, we just wish God would just let us die. Because they had their eyes fixed on their problem, on their circumstance, on their hardships, on the evil. And so they just started agreeing with and speaking and believing that all this was going to happen to them. We're We're grasshoppers. We're not strong enough. We can't do what God said. And so just let us die here, Lord. God said, well, I didn't make you a puppet. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I've said heaven and life and death before you choose life. But if you choose death, that's up to you. I'm, I'll let you choose. Wow. Jump with me over to um, the New Testament here just a minute. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm so glad in that story that we just read that Joshua and Caleb handed themselves life. 
Because out of the 12 spies, they're the only two that got to go into the promised land. But you can go into your promised land too, and that's a promised land of health for your body, financial freedom where you pay off every debt, pay off your mortgage. I'm telling you, God has a way in the financial realm that you don't have to operate according to the world government system. You cannot... Listen, our God owns the gold, silver, and cattle on a thousand hills, not our government. Look here at Luke chapter 1. Uh, just, I'm going to just go to a few verses here real quick. Verse 5 uh, talks about the priest Zacharias. Uh, and, then we're, and, he, and his wife's name was Elizabeth. Skip down to verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So he was in doing his priestly boot, uh, duties in the temple. Verse 12, when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and he, and he was afraid. Verse 13, the angel said, do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. That means he'd been praying. And your wife, Elizabeth, is going to bear a son. And, of course, that's John. We call John the Baptist. In verse 14, you're going to ha- uh, have joy and gladness, and many are going to rejoice at his birth. So let me ask you a question. If, if you had been praying, and all of a sudden an angel appeared, where you could literally see him, just like Zacharias did here, an angel appeared from the hand of God, from the right side of God. And this angel speaks to you and says, God, God sent me to tell you he's, he's heard your prayer and he's going to answer it. And you're going to have, and then he tells you what you were praying, you're going to have this happen and this is what's going to happen. I would think, wouldn't that make you glad? <laughs> I mean, come on, just use a little bit of the gray matter. If, if God sent an angel and say, I heard your prayer, I'm going to answer it and I'm going to give you this and this one. I mean, wouldn't that bring you joy? Let's, let's see if it did, Zacharias. Look at verse 18. And Zacharias said to the angel, uh, how do I know this? Don't you know I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years? In other words, how do I know you're telling me the truth? Don't you know that I'm really old and so is my wife? Does that sound like he was believing what God said? Let me read a a couple of other translations. Contemporary English. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this is going to happen? My wife and I are very old. God's word to the nation's Bible says, Zechariah said to the angel, What proof is there for this? Wow. The New Living says, How can I be sure this is going to happen? And the message says, Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife's an old woman. <coughs> now, it's, it, it's one thing to have unbelief come to your thoughts. <clears throat> but it's another dimension entirely when you hook your tongue up with those thoughts. You're going to start handing yourself things, things you don't want. So look what the angel said <clears throat> in the next two verses. Verse 19, the angel answered and said... I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute, not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So Gabriel speaks and you can tell he does not like the unbelief. I don't believe when Gabriel spoke here, that he was mealy-mouthed. 
You know what I mean? I don't believe he said, I am Gabriel. And God sent me to tell you this. And you should like this. What's wrong with you? I don't believe that's the way it came out at all. I believe it probably came out something like, I am Gabriel. I just came from God's right hand, dude. And he told me to tell you some good news that's supposed to make you happy. What's wrong with you? So, so, so look at verse 20. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. In other words, what I just told you a minute ago, you're going to have a son, you're going to call him John, and all the stuff he said, he said, until this takes place, you're not going to be able to speak because. Now, you need to circle because. Because here's why the becauses are happening in so many people's lives right here. Why are, your, why are your pages of your life being filled with messes and crisis after crisis after crisis? Mess after mess after mess. Sickness after sickness after sickness. Look what he says. Because you did not believe my words. Now, we could, we could rightly divide that by saying you did not believe God's words because he just got done saying God sent me to tell you. So now we know that Gabriel's words is God's words. So rightly dividing this, we can see because you did not believe God's word, which will be fulfilled in their time. But notice the context. They will be fulfilled if I shut your mouth. Whoa, now wait a minute. Stop meditating on that. God said, if I don't shut your mouth... You are going to stop my plan for your life. See, we, we think, well, you know, God's sovereign. He can just do anything he wants to do. No, he cannot do anything. He made you a living, speaking spirit created in his image and likeness. Now, there are certain things that have already been mapped out and laid out that cannot be changed. Jesus is going to be coming back. There's going to be new heaven and new earth. We're going to have glorified bodies. There's going to be a lot of stuff that nothing you say is ever going to change. But I'm telling you what, most of your life and most of your existence here on earth can be changed by your words. God made it that way. And God said, if you want my plan to come to pass in your life, you're going to have to say what I say. Because he tells Zacharias here, if I allow you to speak contrary to what I'm saying, John the Baptist will not be born. Wow. That is, that is something to think your words are that powerful. They can either release God's perfect will for your life or they can stop it. Wow. So that really, that really got me to asking God about when he started revealing this to me a number of years ago and I was in studying this all out and saw this and then I started saying, okay, God, you got to help me out here. So if our words are this powerful, then what about when we say things we don't mean? I'm just kidding. What about when we say, 
Well, I wrote some of the things down that people say and that they don't mean. These are just, it's just figures of speech. But they're words. They're coming off your tongue. Things like this. I wrote some of the things down. Uh, my feet are killing me. And, I, and you never watch them drop dead. So it doesn't seem like their feet are killing them. Well, I was just using the figure of speech. That tickles me to death. I've never seen somebody laughing and drop dead. I think I'm going crazy. Don't say that. You have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. What about this one? A wife talking about a husband or a husband talking about, about a wife. He drives me or she drives me up the wall. What are you, Spider-Man or Spider-Woman or what? What about over my dead body you're going to do that? You might not want to say that. What about this one? Well, I'm afraid so. The Bible tells you to fear not. What are you afraid of? Well, I didn't mean it that why'd you say it? What about this one? That just blows my mind. That's gross. We'll just go on on that one. What about, what about this one? If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. No, you've only told me 32 times. So I was asking God, I said, God, what about all these phrase, phraseology, these exaggeration, these figures of speak? Uh, when we say things we don't mean, just say we're kidding. Do those affect our lives? And he took me over to James 1. I was not expecting it. Go to James chapter 1. And we're going to start reading in verses 22 through 26. Is anybody getting anything? I'll tell you what this is going to do. This is going to make your next year the best year of your life. This is what it's going to do for you. Those of you that are watching, I'm telling you what, I don't know about you, but I am going to have a phenomenal next 12 months. Phenomenal. And you can too if you start writing on the pages of your life. But look here, those, those words, when we say things we don't mean and we exaggerate and say words we don't mean, let's see if it affects anything here. James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only because otherwise you deceive yourself. So in other words, people can come to a great church like this one, hear a wonderful pastor like Pastor McNeese, and go out and not do what they've heard, even though they've got a great church and a great pastor and they hear a great word, and they don't do it, and now they're self-deceived. That's what this verse says. So, but be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. For, now he's going to explain it from a natural term, if anyone hears the word and doesn't do it, he's like someone that looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. But, verse 25, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. So the previous two verses, God likens his word, verse 22, but be doers of the word. So we know when it says the perfect law of liberty, he's talking about the word. So he likens this perfect law of liberty or the word to a mirror, right? But it's a perfect mirror because it's God's mirror. God's word is a mirror that reflects who you are what you have, and what you can do. I just finished a series, the longest series I've ever taught in my life. 
51 weeks, I taught on who you are, what you have, and what you can do. 51 weeks, that's only one week short of a year. Five programs a week, 255 programs I taught on this subject. I, I, I asked my TV manager, I said, is there any way that we can get this off the television, the audio, so that we can get this in MP3 form or CD or I want to be able to put it in a book? We, we need to get this in people's hands. Because when I started teaching it, I thought, okay, I'll probably teach this for a few weeks, you know, daily program, five days a week for a month or two or something. And after six months, I saw, man, I've got a long ways to go yet. People don't know these things. And you know what I, what I called it? The ABCs of true Christianity. And I told people that were watching the TV program when I was shooting it, I said, if you get these ABCs, you'll know the DEFs all the way to the XYZs. Because if you learn who you are in Jesus and what you really have in Jesus and what you can really do in Him, you'll be more mature than people that have known Jesus for 50 years. And you could be a three-year-old Christian. Wow. So I said, but anyone who looks into this perfect law of liberty mirror and continues looking in this perfect law of memory. In other words, you're staying in the Word. You're not just hearing it once a week. You're staying in the Word day in and day out. Whoever continues looking and doesn't forget it, not being a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. What does that mean? You're working it. You're acting like it's true. You're speaking truth when the facts and reality are saying the opposite. You're handing yourself life. He says, uh, this, this one will be blessed in what he does. It doesn't say he'll be blessed in some of what he does, most of what he does, a little bit of what he does. He'll be blessed in what he does means everything, financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, maritally. Everything you do will be blessed when you're a doer of the word and you stay in it. But now watch. See, Pastor Paul, I always stopped right there in the past when I was studying this out. And then God reminded me of something that most of us know. We know the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. It was divided later on for reference sake. But that next verse is attached to this part that we just read. And he goes on and said this, If any among you... Now wait, who's the you he's talking about? The one that... The doer of the word back in verse 22, you... He says, if any of you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his what? Tongue, that hand. Does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. Oh, wait a minute. Deceives his own heart. We just found out when you don't do the word, verse 22, you deceive yourself. So now he's tying that in and letting us know when we're saying things contrary to God's word, that's not being a doer of the word and that's self-deceiving. But look what he says. He said, if any among you thinks he's religious, doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. The Bible in basic English says, if any man seems to have religion but no control over his tongue, lets himself be tricked by what is false. Wow. Let himself be tricked by what is false. In other words, facts and realities. No matter how real they seem, if they're contrary to God's word, they're false. 
They're evil report if you speak them. If any man has religion, has no control over his tongue, but lets himself be tricked by what is false, this man's religion is of no value. Contemporary English, if you think you're being religious but can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and everything you do is useless. The Amplified says, you delude your heart. Delude your heart. Well, now, wait a minute. Let's tie that in with Romans 10, 9 and 10. You confess Jesus. Believe in your heart. Hmm. For with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made. With the heart man what? Believes. And he says right here, if your tongue is speaking things that aren't true, I don't care if they're exaggerations. I don't care if they're uh, idioms. I don't care whatever they are. If they're not truth, then it's deceiving your heart. And listen, that's where faith operates out of. With the heart, man believes. That's where faith is released from. With the heart, you believe. So if your tongue is speaking things contrary or speaking exaggerations or speaking anything that's not truth, your heart is being deluded. Your faith is being deluded. And then you're wondering why your faith's not working. Man, I've been, I've been believing God and I've been saying this and I've been saying that. Yeah, but you're, you can't be like a fountain that, that puts out fresh water and salt water. And if we had time, we'd go to James and look at that, but we don't. So you, you can't be wishy-washy. You can't be saying the truth sometimes and the falsehoods the other times. And expect your pages to be filled up with good. Wow. So I'm going to close. Go back to Proverbs 18. Wow, wow, wow. Is this good or what? Man, I tell you, it just, I mean, I hear myself preaching. It just makes me, I'm going to make sure that that's all I'm speaking is the word. I mean, that's why I keep my heart filled with the Word, so it is all I speak. But I just tell you, I love hearing God's Word. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the hand of the tongue. The Message Bible says this. I didn't read the Message Bible to you last time. I want to this time as I close. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Wow. Words will kill. They'll kill your marriage. They'll kill your finances. They'll kill your physical health. Words kill or words will give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. So listen, your words will poison your body, making it sick or bring it the fruit of health. Your words will poison your finances, bringing you poverty and lack or bring you the fruit of prosperity. Your words will poison your mind with anxiety or bring it the fruit of peace. Your words will poison your emotions with depression or bring it the fruit of joy. Your words will poison your marriage and make it bad or bring it the fruit and make it heavenly. Your words will poison your endeavors with failure or bring you the fruit of success. Your words are going to kill or they're going to give life. They're going to hand you one of the two. And God says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I've set before you life and death, blessing, which goes with life, 
death and cursing. But he tells you which one to choose. Choose life. Choose life. You know, some of you have heard part of this testimony before. Years, many years ago, the Lord showed me how to get his word in me so that the only thing coming out of my mouth is his truth. And I, it's because I see new people here, I want to share that part of this testimony again, but then it'll encourage those who have already heard it. Anyway, God told me, I woke up one morning and I, I was praying and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, write down a verse of scripture. And he told me which scripture, I wrote it down. He said, take it to the office with you and speak it all day long. This was decades ago now. He said, speak it all day long. He said, in fact, I want you to say it out loud so your ears can hear your tongue say it. And he said, I want you to do it as many times as you think possible. So by the time I went to bed, the last thing I did before I went to bed that night was look at that verse, speak it out loud so my ears could hear it. I'll bet you a minimum of 60, probably 80, 70, 80 times that I spoke that verse all day long. When I got up the next morning, I heard the Lord speak. It was just so plain and clear, not, not audible, but just so plain and clear. Take that verse with you and do that again. So I took it the second day. Third day I got to bed. Take that verse with you and do it again. Man, by the end of the third day, I had the verse memorized. And so the fourth day, I was expecting God to give me a new verse. The fourth day, I got up and the Lord said, take that same verse with you again. Okay, okay, Lord. I mean, I thought I knew it. So by the end of the fourth day, you're talking maybe 80 times per day I'm quoting this scripture, I could now quote the verse backwards. That's how, thought, that's how much I thought I knew it. But the Lord knew something else. The Lord knew that I memorized it, but I did not yet know it. So the fifth day, I got out of bed and the Lord said, take that verse and do that again. The sixth day, take that verse with you, do it again. The seventh day, I don't know why I chose seven, maybe because it's his perfect number, but what do you think, Cedric? I don't know. But anyway, the seventh day, he said, do it again. Something happened. I don't know if it was that last day or when it happened, but something happened where it went from here, and if somebody's listening to this audio recording at a later date, you can't watch it. I'm pointing to my brain, my mind. It went from here to here in my spirit. And here's how I knew that it changed because a short time later, I faced a test of life, you know, a test trial that we go through in life. I was facing a situation, a hardship in life that that particular verse applied to and here I was right in the middle of the, you know, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And all of a sudden, up out of me without thinking, I want you to catch this, without thinking, I found myself speaking that scripture. It just came up out of me. That's what the Holy Ghost, Ghost does, bring things to your remembrance and you find yourself speaking them. I found myself speaking that and man, I went right through that test and trial because I did it with the word. So week number two, he gave me a new verse. Did the same thing for seven days. Week number three, a new verse. Same thing for seven days. He said, I want you to do this for a year. And my lightning fast mathematical mind. 52 verses that I can do battle with. That's a lot more than even a lot of preachers know, my friends. Oh, they, they may be able to preach verses. That doesn't mean we know them. There's a lot of verses I preach I don't yet know. Because I only see in part and know in part. 
There's things Pastor Paul knows that I don't know. There's things I know that there's things other ministers. We need each other. Nobody knows it all. That's why we're a body and not one part of the body can say, I'm more important than you. I don't need you. We need you. I need you just as much as you need me because I need you and your part doing your part. We are all valuable to God. Are you listening? So this is how it changed my life. And I've told people, okay, it's okay to read through the Bible in a year, but why don't you go ahead and do this, this thing for a year? 52 verses in one year. What if you do it for two years? 104 verses of Scripture that you know that you know that you know. How many got my deck of cards last time I was here? Let me see your hands. A few of you did. See, that's why God had me put that deck of cards out is 52 cards, just like a regular deck of cards, The verse of script, one verse of Scripture on the front. On the back, he told me to write what I personally say about that Scripture. In other words, what are you handing yourself about that Word? You can't just read the Word and not say anything. If you want to hand yourself good days and see happy days ahead, you've got to speak something. And so if you haven't gotten the deck of cards, those of you watching, you can order it at LarryHutton.org. Down, oh, I don't think you can download the cards, can you? But anyway, you can order the cards and uh, get a hold of those. But uh, I'm telling you, God's Word, that's how you get it in you. That's how you meditate on it and make it life. And then uh, some of you heard my testimony, how God's Word, for, for those that you may, maybe people are watching. In fact, I feel like there's somebody watching right now with an incurable disease. And, I, you know, I almost said cancer could be, but I'm not sure that's what it is. And I didn't say that because God said incurable disease and God's healing power is available right now. And we release it right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You are the God who heals us. You make them whole. We curse that foul thing. I see a spirit of infirmity. I command you to come out of their body right now in Jesus' name. You loose them and let them go. Be healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But I was about to give a testimony when that word of the Lord came to me, and that's one that you guys heard about the, the couple, the man and wife up in Tennessee, that both the husband and wife had terminal cancer at the same time. She had stage four, he had stage three, and the doctors had given both about six months or less to live. I'm talking husband and wife at the same time. Well, they got a hold of our Heaven's Health Food CD. I know a lot of you have it, but if you're watching and don't, or if you're new, you may not have it yet. But they got a hold of our Heaven's Health Food CD, and they started listening to it 24 hours a day. They just decided to build their, their, because the doctor, in fact, they asked their doctors, this was their testimony when they came and stood in front of Liz and I after they were healed for many months and cancer was all gone out of their bodies. They came and stood and they said, um, we asked the doctor, okay, so if we have chemo or if we have radiation or we have any surgery, what's our chances of living? And the doctor said, "Mm, 5%, 10%. They said, okay, so you can't help us. Goodbye. And so they went on YouTube. Some of you probably watching this service by YouTube. They went on YouTube and they just happened to find Larry Hutt Ministry YouTube channel, which is where all my television programs are uploaded to. And they started watching our program. Well, I just happened to finish a brand new series on divine health and how to be healed by God. And they watched it and found out about my Heaven's Health Food, ordered it, started listening to it. Seven days later, every trace of cancer was completely gone from both of their bodies. Is that cool or what? That's, that shows you the power of God's Word. But they didn't just listen to it. They were speaking it, speaking it, speaking it. 
They were handing themselves cancer-free, cancer-free, cancer-free. The next page, cancer-free, cancer-free. So when the doctors said, this is just impossible, you, you had cancer, you haven't had any treatments, you've taken no medicine, no medical treatments, we haven't done any surgery, how, how could the cancer be gone? They, the doctor says it's in remission, and then they said, no, it's not, it went back to hell where it belongs. <laughs> hey, do you guys have a sound booth? My sound booth, do you guys have that queued up where we can give them a sample? Yeah, please, give them a sample of that real quick. I know to allow you to suffer the diseases I allowed on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals This is Exodus 15:26. The New English Bible says, I, the Lord, am your healer. Is he your healer? The Sporel translation says, I am Jehovah, your physician. My physician. The basic English translation says, I am the Lord, your life giver. I accept that life. Young's translation says, for I, Jehovah, am healing you. I believe it, therefore I'm the Knox healed. translation says, I am the Lord, and it is health I bring you. I receive that health. Lord. When the Goodspeen translation talks about the diseases, it says, for I, the Lord, make you immune to them. You can cut it right there. I'm telling you, get a hold of that. It, and, and I listen to this on a regular basis, even though I'm healthy, I listen to it on a regular basis because I want my immune system filled with God's Word. So that when sickness attacks, it's going to attack everybody. That's why God says, I wish you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, because he knows it's going to attack you. But if you're full of God's word, guess what's going to come out? Life. And you're going to hand yourself life. So get a hold of that. And then I always tell people, along with that heaven's health food, we have wisdom scriptures. Now, length of days is in her wisdom's right hand riches and honor in her left hand. When you get full of wisdom, so what I did, just like that heaven's health food, I decided to go through all of Proverbs, from Proverbs 1 to Proverbs 31, and quote it verse by verse, like I did there, many translations of each verse, music behind my voice, just exactly as heaven's health food, the way I did that. And, I mean, I've heard people say, the doctor said a proverb a day will keep the doctor away, you know. I mean, there's so many good things about wisdom that you can walk in. And so Wisdom Scriptures is all a proverb. If you get to CDs, it's four CDs because it's obviously a lot more Scriptures. Uh, if you download it, MP3, then, of course, you get the MP3, but that's not necessary then. But all of that's available. If you want to download any of these things, you can go to LarryHutton.org. Um, I have a series that I recommend for people. If you're still in debt, Financial debt, like you have a mortgage, that's debt. If you're in debt in any way, get a hold of my series called Divine Economics. Because I know a lot of people, and I was in this situation for, for years. I, I had a mortgage, car payment, all these different things. And, and I've started reading God's Word to see, Lord, this isn't your will. You own everything. I'm not supposed to have debt at all. So how do I get out of this? And he showed me how. But there was a key. I had to go back to the cross. And most people don't. I was tithing. I was giving. I was giving, 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 giving. Sowing, 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 sowing. But I wasn't reaping, 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 reaping. And there was a key. I wasn't. It had, it had become a work of the law and not a receiving by grace. Colossians 2. Paul said this, Colossians 2, 6. The way you receive Jesus is the way you walk in Jesus. How did you receive them? By grace through faith. How do you walk in them? By grace through faith.
It has to be according to what Jesus did at the cross. So that series about finances called Divine Economics, this is what it looks like right here. Divine Economics, if you're watching online, you can go to our website, you can download MP3 or you can get the CD form. Divine Economics, that's what that's all about. All about what Jesus did regarding your money at Calvary. And if you don't know it, you can't believe it and you'll frustrate the grace of God in flowing in your life. So I encourage you to get that. And the last thing I'm going to mention is our little mini book, Limitless. This is the one we've been sending out to everybody that gets saved on that salvation website that contacts us. They're all not contacting us, but uh, a lot of them are. So we're sending this out free. We're sending out other materials free. But this is the book. Now we've we've got churches uh, around the country that are using this for their altar calls. They're using this in their new believers clashes. But we have some evangelists carrying cases of these, handing them out on the streets when they're getting drove saved. And so Limitless is called Life with Jesus. I had somebody uh, not long ago, he had been a mature Christian. I would say like some of you here, like a 30-year mature Christian. He knows the word, everything. He got a hold of this little mini book and he read it. He came up to me and he slapped me. He said, Brother Larry, thank you for that new little mini book, Limitless. I said, why? I said, I I wrote that for new believers and stuff. He said, I just read it, and it jerked some slack out of me. It put me in remembrance of some things I'd let slip. And, you know, we can all do that. So if you haven't gotten the book, I think it'll help you too. But if you know people that are just saved, you know, all these people, I didn't share this with you, but all these people that are getting saved on our website, The stat that we found out from Google is 99 point something percent do not attend church. People are searching Google, how do I get saved? By the way, 33,000 people a month search Google on how to get saved. 33,000, watch my lips, search Google on how to get saved every month. Thank goodness we're getting thousands of them. So we're going to do is do our part and get as many people saved as we can. But uh, that's why I wrote this book, because when I found out they're not going to come in the four walls of our church, so somebody's got to mentor them. So I had to write a little mini book that did more than just talk about the new birth and the baptism and maybe healing like all the other go-to books. They're great little mini books, but none of them talked about why you need a pastor why you need to go to church and not forsake the assembling of yourselves, why you need Jesus in charge of your money. He's not going to make you poor. He's going to make you rich. So that's all in this little mini book. If you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. And then uh, I want to thank you in advance because I know Pastor Paul said he's going to give you an opportunity to sow into our ministry. I want to thank you in advance for that because we're going we're gonna to keep taking the gospel around the world. We're reaching practically every nation of the world now on television and uh, I'm still traveling every week. Next week, I'm over in western Tennessee. The following week, I'm in Iowa. The following week, I'm in California and so forth and so on. So I'm going to keep traveling, preaching as much as I can get the Word of God out. And everybody that gives into our ministry is going to help us keep doing that. And if you're not a partner, would you pray about becoming one? I never tell people, you must be one. No, I, I realize you could partner with a lot of good people besides me, so you don't have to partner with me. But I, I will give you the opportunity if you feel like our ministry is one you'd like to help and you want to get souls in your rewards in heaven, I promise you you're going to get a lot of people in, on your account for heaven. That's, and you know why heaven is more important than earth? You're going to live there for eternity. You're going to enjoy the rewards there longer than you're enjoying the rewards you get for the hundred years you might live here. So you want rewards laid up in heaven. 
Amen. So if you're not a partner, I have partner cards. There's partner cards on the book table. You can get those. And then let's come back tonight. I've got a... It's not along these lines, but it's a word that just fits like hand in glove with what I preached this morning. I just feel like it'll make a great two-part series. Maybe you have to just make it, get the audio from these meetings and make it a two-part series from a book table. But anyway, um, 6.30 this evening? Make sure you come back at 6.30 this evening. And thank you all for listening so well, pulling it out of me. I believe we heard what the Lord wanted us to hear this morning. Give Pastor Paul a hand as he comes. Praise God.